Hello everyone, Mike Cleveland here with my wife Jody to do another podcast. Jody, I always like doing these podcasts with you. I love doing it with you too, and I love talking about how the death and resurrection of Jesus transforms our lives. Yes, and we are in a, a study together through Hebrews 8, 9, maybe 10, talking about the contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and specifically how those differences uh, work themselves out in relationships. And so we're looking now at Hebrews chapter 9. And Jody, let's begin reading and we'll just begin to hopefully follow the Lord as he shows us the truths of God's word. That first covenant, he's talking about the old covenant between God and Israel, had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. Now, I want to make one comment here, and that is the Old Covenant had regulations, laws, rules. The New Covenant has a spirit who leads and guides us. And and so let's make some practical applications right here from verse 1. As we look at the Old Covenant with its regulations, what happens to relationship when we live by, by rules, by regulations, by laws? Right. Well, um, the law is stirs up sin, right? So um, I feel like when you live in a law-based relationship, um, and an example would that be would might be um, you know you need to take out the trash every Tuesday, and if you don't take out the trash every Tuesday, then I'm going to be angry with you, and you're going to hear about it. Um, and so that would be um, a way that I could set up a law. And then you would know what the repercussions are, but it wouldn't motivate you to do it. You wouldn't be motivated to do it because you would just be like, um, you would feel bullied. You would feel um, like my love was um, transitional. Conditional. Yes, absolutely. If I took out the trash this Tuesday, you love me. If I forgot, then, uh uh-oh, better watch out. And and so uh, the old covenant is is defined by its regulations, Absolutely. by its covenant of works. That is the Old Testament Ten Commandments, Old Covenant, is uh, a th- something that was put on people that they had to obey or die. Right. And if people today, Jody, are under the Old Covenant, they will act that way and treat others that way. You better measure up or our relationship will be severed. Or uh, if not not severed, maybe, but um, I think it's more common for people to do the cold shoulder. Yeah. So you get the cold treatment for a while, or um, I'm going to withhold something from you because you didn't give me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Transactional was the word I was looking for earlier, uh, not transitional. But um, the point is that that law-based or rules-based um relationship doesn't work in a marriage and and it didn't work um with god either right and so he made a new covenant he did thank you jesus now there are some um instructions we see here in verse two would you like to read that there were two rooms in the tabernacle in the first room were a lampstand a table and sacred loaves of bread on the table this room was called the holy place 
Okay, so we're just introduced right now, or reminded, if you know the Old Testament, about some articles of furniture. The first room had a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. Now, Jody, these particular pieces of furniture are important because they're pointing forward. Everything in the Old Covenant pointed forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see a lampstand. And in John chapter 8, we hear Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Yes. And we have a table. And on that table were sacred loaves of bread. Why would they be included with the other pieces of furniture? Why would the pieces of bread be there? Well, Jesus says, I am the bread come down from heaven, right? So feed on me. So we have to have the bread. Right. Because that's Jesus too. Yeah. And this room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain. So a curtain, behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. So a curtain separated these two. And it says in um, verse 4, the articles of the furniture in the second room. What were they? In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. And inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. And so if we were to look at these pieces of furniture, again, we see a beautiful picture that within the Ark of the Covenant was manna. Jesus said, I'm the true manna. I'm the true bread that comes down from heaven to give life to the world. So when he went to the cross and died, he was solidifying his role as manna Mm -hmm. because he then fed all believers with his body and his blood. He fed them with forgiveness of sins, Mm. with righteousness, finally, perfect, complete righteousness, with holiness. He fed us with uh, bringing us into the new covenant. And so um, he has indicated there's manna and then Um, That indicates the death of Jesus, right? The giving of his body. Mm -hmm. And then we have Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves. And that is a picture of the resurrection Mm -hmm. of Jesus. Um, If you remember how that happened, um, there were numerous um, rods put into the ark. And only the one that budded was the one that God's approval was on. And so this dead bunch of dead sticks and they came back the next morning and early in the morning they went to the place there should have been nothing but death but here was this one stick that was full of life budding and blossoming and that showed God's approval and likewise Jesus having died for our sins put in the tomb early on Sunday morning they came to the grave and should have found nothing but death But of course, Jesus had risen and and indicating that God's hand of approval was upon his own son, the Mm -hmm. great high priest of all believers. And that's what Aaron's staff represents. The stone tablets of the old covenant were in there as well. Mm -hmm. And then what was above the ark in verse 5? Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. All right, and if you remember, the angels long to look into the the gospel, 
Yes. Okay, and so we here we had this picture, these two cherubims that were looking down on the mercy seat mm-hmm. as if to say, what is that? Right. And so on this atonement cover or mercy seat is where the great high priest would place blood. Yes. And thereby make atonement for all the sinful Israelites. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, when he rose from the dead, ascended to the Father with blood and made that atonement, securing eternal salvation right. for all who believe. The it, place of atonement. It's so important to remember this because as we interact with each other, when we remember that our sins are atoned for and our spouse's sins have been atoned for or our friends or our family, whoever they are, whoever this other relationship is, right? When we remember the atonement that Jesus has made for us, it frees us up to love each other as we have been loved, to forgive each other as we have been forgiven. And that is why it is crucial that we not forget Christ's death on the cross and his suffering and the blood that he shed to atone for our sins. That is such an important application, and that's what we mean about bringing this down to the level of everyday living. Yes. We have to remember as we interact with each other, she's a forgiven sinner. I'm forgiven. We are atoned for. Jesus paid the price to forgive our sins and make atonement for our wrongs. And if you, if the listener today if, if you hear Jody and I interacting this way and you say, wow, they're loving, they're forgiving, but it's not that way in my relationship, maybe my marriage or an employer at work or whatever, the key, the absolute key to this is for you yourself to look at the cross. Yes. And if both people will look at the cross... And just survey the wondrous cross. Right. To, to just gaze upon it and view the scene before you. I promise you it will begin to affect you and all relationships you have around you. That is your one goal in life is to focus and fixate on the cross of Jesus Christ. If you do, it'll break you. It will, but it will also heal you. Yes. And the beautiful part about it is, ideally, both people would be looking to the cross and be transformed by beholding Jesus. But even if they're not, even if it's just you by yourself looking to the cross, it will change your heart and expand it and and give you supernatural power to love the unlovely, to love your enemy, to do good, to be kind, to be gracious and compassionate toward those who cannot return it right now because they don't have the Spirit of God in them. That's a great point. Let's continue on, and we have one more point to make before we close this podcast. So it says in verse 6, When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room, the holy place, as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins, and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. So we've got a contrast coming now. What we're seeing is the high priest alone would enter the most holy place, 
and he took blood in. He couldn't enter without blood. No human could ever enter the presence of God without an atonement, without blood being brought in to cover the sin. Mm -hmm. And so the, the high priest pictured Jesus Christ on that one great day of atonement. Right. Leviticus 16 talks about the day of atonement. The real day the atonement was made was the cross of Calvary when Jesus took our sins on himself, when Jesus suffered for us under the weight and the penalty of our sins, where he hung naked before heaven and earth, mm -hmm. before God and man, being bruised and wounded for our transgressions, all the while making an atonement that is covering over the sins of the people and atoning for us. Mm -hmm. And that great high priest pictures Jesus Christ, our great high priest. The point I want to make is in verse 8. Jody, do you want to read that? It says, By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. All right. What is something you see in that verse? Um, that we were not free to go to the presence of God. Yes. As long as that entire old covenant stood, we had no freedom to come into the presence of God. Right. It was only until when Jesus died on the cross and the temple and the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom right. and the whole sacrificial system stopped in AD 70, mm -hmm. it was at the cross resurrection event where we are now fully welcomed in. Right. We are absolutely invited. We can come boldly before the throne of God, right. um, before the throne of grace. And so the point is this, if you are living under the old covenant, you know that you're not welcome. Mm. You can't come in. Only because you're the, not sinless. Right? You're not mm. sinless. And so it's like there's a gate between you and God. Mm. Or all of heaven is closed off to you. Mm -hmm. Jody, that affects the way in which you interact with people. Mm. If you know you're not welcome, right? Because you've done wrong. Mm -hmm. How do you then treat other people? Right. I think that when you, when we have a, we're living under that um, old covenant mindset where there's this harsh God and he is about to get me because I've done wrong things, right? Whatever they are. Then we tend to be harsh toward other people and very demanding and exacting. When you see this very hard line, um, um, treating people harshly because they're not behaving the way you think they should in the moment, they don't look, act, or do what you want, uh, then, then that's because you have a wrong understanding of your relationship with God and has trickled down. So wrong thinking leads to wrong interactions. That's a very good point. And I think as long as you know you're not welcome and mm. you can't come in because you don't measure up, then you treat other people in the same way, maybe even subconsciously, right? Maybe, I think mostly subconsciously. Right? You don't even know you're doing it. Whereas under the new covenant, <laughs> yes, where yeah. we're welcomed in, where yes. the curtain's torn in two, where the way has been made, yes. and all kinds of welcome invitations are out for you, yes, right? Think about a person who says, I can't, my sins are, they're damning me to hell. I cannot 
come into the presence of God. And they turn and look at the cross. Yes. And the blood is flowing. And the forgiveness comes home to him. And he says, he's hearing God say, come to me, my son. Come, run to me now. You're welcome in. Yes. That person's heart is enlarged. Yes. And it expands within him. Yes. And he now becomes welcoming. Yes. He now does not demand measuring up of his wife of his kids, of his other relationships. You can't come into my presence unless you do this or that. No, no. Now it's come. You're yeah. welcome here. You are loved. You're loved so deeply and richly. And this love, when Christ pours it into our hearts through his spirit, it flows out. It, it has to go somewhere. Right? And that's the beauty. That is the beauty of what Christ has done for us through his death and his resurrection. That's a great place to bring this podcast to a close. Jody, next week we will complete Hebrews chapter 9. I look forward to talking with you again on this subject. Oh, me too.